great to be here today. The sound man's going to have to adjust me a little bit here. <laughs> uh, I found out after I committed myself to be with you today that your pastor was going to be at the beach. I uh, have to tell you that pains me a little bit because uh, we came back from the beach to be here today. <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, I do want to bring greetings on behalf of every Christian General Conference. I need to say this because if I don't, I'll hear about it all week because uh, Ron uh, will be uh, quizzing me. But I, I do want to bring greetings on behalf of Advent Christian General Conference, and we're located literally right across the street. And uh, you are privileged to have uh, Ron and Jan and Shirley and Don uh, worshiping with you here on a regular basis. Uh, I thought Ron, and I kidded him last week about why didn't, why didn't you uh, take this slot at Doolin's Grove? And he said, well, I wasn't asked. And I think because of the schedule, Ron looked like he was going to be out of town, and he just snuck in town last night, and uh, he had an obligation at Aurora University. And so we are glad to be servants of yours, and I need to say to you that the Advent Christian General Conference will be held in Charlotte uh, June 24th through 29th with a ladies' meeting, a ladies' uh, banquet on the day before the 23rd here in Charlotte. It's the... We haven't been in Charlotte in a long time. If my memory serves me correctly, it was 1974. I don't know how many of you remember that, but it was over at the University of, of uh, Carolina at Charlotte. We're going to be at the Marriott. It's on 77, exit 5, easy to find. You're one of the closest churches there, and I hope that uh, you plan to attend. Now, there is a charge, as most conventions, and if you would like to come today, well, literally last night was your last night to pre-register, but since you're so close, if you would like to speak to Don or Ron or Shirley or I or Jan, we'll try to make sure that you get underneath the wire. Uh, but we expect people from around the world, some of our missionaries will be here, It'll be an opportunity for you to see them, to hear them, uh, maybe even to talk to them. Uh, it's a time in which we have a great time of fellowship. There is some business that needs to be taken care of. And the other part is a program, and Sam Warren has been working on the program we have some great speakers. I will just uh, ask you to go to the Internet to take a look at who's going to be there. But we have some great men of God uh, who are going to be sharing uh, with us night after night. And we're going to do some packets that's going to go to Mexico, uh, to some of the children, some school packets. Uh, we'll get our hands dirty. We'll put uh, hundreds of those together. So if you can uh, possibly get over to the Marriott and, and, and join in with us, it would be a great time. This morning I want to share a passage of Scripture with you that you may have heard last Sunday. And yes, I know it's not Easter, but the message is a reflection of Easter because there's something here that I want us to carry not just for Easter, but day after day, month after month, as we are challenged in our Christian walk. And so I'd like for you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, starting with chapter 28. And I'd like for you to stand, if you would, please. And we'll have the reading of God's Word. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes was white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly to tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and has gone ahead of you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Now I have told you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful to have the privilege to open your word and to be challenged by it. We come because we need direction in our lives. We need your wisdom, and we need your Spirit to guide us day after day. So, Lord, take these words, challenge our hearts, and may we walk with you is our prayer in Jesus' name, and amen. You may be seated. Years ago, I was teaching a math class, and in the very back of the classroom after the assignment was given, senior girls, as was their custom, closed their books and began to talk about the party, usually, or the softball game. All of the senior girls were on a a winning softball team. In less than two months, they were going to be state champs. But that particular day, because it was close to spring break, the conversation got steered in a different direction. One of them said, what's Easter? And someone replied, well, that's when Jesus was born. Someone far back said, no, 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 that's not Easter, that's Christmas. Jesus was born on Christmas Day. And there was silence. Finally, the original questioner raised it again, but a little differently. Well then, what's Easter all about? The other side of this message I want to talk about brings me back to a time in which I played some basketball. And I had to guard a a man who was about four inches taller than I. Pretty tough task. And on a particular play, he... uh, He made a move and put up a shot and scored two points. We were running down the floor. He threw a little elbow. He said, what do you think about that? And a couple of strides later, I threw another little elbow. Not hard, but just enough to get his attention. And I said to him, check the score. He was concerned about two points. I was concerned about winning the game. We were winning. In fact, we won the game. One of the keys of Easter that we often overlook is the stone. The stone that covered the opening of the sepulcher. It was moved. It was rolled away. And when we realize that it has rolled away, we realize 
that there's something else real important that goes on. And it's what we talk about in our church, and I'm sure the choir sang about it last Sunday, and I'm sure that the pastor mentioned it in his devotion last Sunday morning. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The stone was key to the Pharisees and to the Romans. It was sealed, it was guarded, but it was rolled away. Today I brought something with me. It's a little device, and I'll illustrate it here in a moment. It's, a, it's what's called a, a weather rock. If you've ever seen a weather rock before, you got one on your house, do you? Weather rock is sort of neat because it tells you what the weather is. This little rock. You don't need channel 14. All you need is this on your house. I'm not selling them. I'll give this away today. But what happens with this little rock is that if it's, if it's shining, then it's sunny. If it's dry, it's fair. You can help me out now. If it's wet, it's raining. If it's white, snowing. If it's swinging, it's windy. If it's shaking, it's an earthquake. (laughs) And if you can't see it, it's foggy. Now, Lawrence, people may not believe that about this rock, about checking the rock, and I'm going to give this to you (laughs) so you can can put that up on your house. I got some screws for you. Even got some directions here. So, yeah, yeah, so that you don't get lost in that. But I want you this week to check the rock and come back and share with everybody else about checking the rock. Because when the women went to check the rock. It was moved. Not only was it moved, but they saw lifeless Roman guards on the ground. They saw an angel that was white as lightning, dressed in white, sitting on the stone. The tomb of death had been rolled away. And they heard the grandest announcement of all time. He is not here. He is risen. They received an invitation like no one else had ever received. Come see the place where the Lord lied. I know that many of you after Easter and really all through the year, have questions. You come to to church with questions about the economy, about your job, about relationships. Sometimes they're what-if questions. And you want answers. Well, I want to encourage you today to look at the stone, to check out the rock To see what the rock can say to you. Some of your questions may be, what's Easter all about? Well, check the rock. Did Jesus really come forth from the tomb victorious? Check the rock. 
Did Jesus defeat death? Check the rock. Is Jesus able to forgive sins? Check the rock. Is Christianity real because of the resurrection? Check the rock. Did Jesus really conquer death and the grave and hell? Check the rock. Are you wondering about eternal life? Check the rock. About receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior? Check the rock. Does Jesus really love me? Check the rock. Will Jesus speak to me today? Is He relevant? Check the rock. Is Jesus coming back again someday real, real soon? Check the rock. Because the pivotal point for Christianity is the stone, which leads us to the resurrection. And it changes everything. Because Jesus was crucified. He died just like He said He would in Luke 9. And He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, teachers of the law, He must be killed and on the third day be risen to life. The key here is he was risen from the dead just like he said he would be. Check the rock. Jesus told his disciples many times that this was going to happen. They heard it over and over again and he promised and he promised, but they didn't believe. You know what? Jesus kept his promise. The resurrection was such a pivotal time in history, for it changed the landscape forever. The resurrection vindicated all of the claims of Christ. Now, there's over 200 major prophecies about the Messiah. Jesus Christ fulfilled each and every one of them. There were many other minor claims about the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled them all. Jesus was indeed the Son of God who came and lived and died and was crucified and buried and rose again. And He's alive. So He's the one that we can trust. The other way of looking at this is to say, well, there was no resurrection. Well, what happens if there's no resurrection? Well, then Christianity is just like all of the other religions where their prophets came and taught and died and was buried and entombed and are still entombed. The words of Jesus are no more than just that of a very popular rabbi. The resurrection changes it all. Here we have, in a very simple form, the following statement about Jesus. People follow Jesus' teaching not to become saved, but because they're saved. I want you to understand that. The other aspect of it is that we're not asked to come and commit ourselves to words. We're asked to come and commit ourselves to Him. 
to be intimate with Him. To build a relationship with Him. To know Him. As Paul would say, to know the power of His resurrection. And the power of His resurrection for us lies in the fact that He rose from the dead. And that because He rose from the dead, we at His coming shall also rise from the dead. So there's a validity here in the resurrection that has to do with our own resurrection that's yet to come. Notice the rock. The rock has been rolled away. The sting of death has been removed. And there's life for all who believe in Jesus Christ alone. I want to tell you a story about a lady who had a toddler and and also an infant son. They decided to escape Poland. It was the beginning of World War II. She got on the train. She thought it was the right thing to do. She wanted to find some safety for her and her two children. But the trip, which usually would have been four hours, took days. It took most of a week. Food ran out. Water ran out. And when they finally arrived, her infant child was sick. There were some nurses at the station who were checking people on their needs, and they took the small infant and put him in the hospital. She found a place for the evening, went to sleep. But in the middle of the night, bombs rained from aircraft. She hurriedly got dressed, ran to the street, only to hear the words that the hospital had been hit. There was a lot of panic. She ran towards the hospital. When she got there, she realized that the hospital had been flattened. Someone gave her a flashlight. She began to look. Dust was everywhere. People were screaming and crying. It seemed as if there was no hope. Let's back out of that story for a moment. People for centuries, in fact, for all of recorded history, had died. And they were buried. But Jesus seemed to be different. They sang to him, Hosanna, the highest. Here is the son of David. (laughs) He was our hope. But he died on Calvary. They buried him. Seems as if there's no hope. Yet in the story, see churches on. There are some folk who find lifeless bodies, claim them, go home. She searches on. 
In the process, she starts to wonder about some things. What if I hadn't caught the last train? What if we hadn't been held up? What if I didn't give my infant son to the nurses to go to the hospital? A lot of questions for her. What if? What if this occurs? Let's back out of the story for a moment. And life without Easter is a life without hope. And we're reminded that it is a miserable life. Of all men, we're most miserable. If there's not the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When our loved ones die and we bury them. There is a pain, but there is also a hope. We've had children in our family to die. I've had people on both sides of my family to commit suicide. And it's not easy. But for those of us with hope, there's a thread that becomes like iron of steel. And it holds us in hopeless moments because there is hope. And we hold on to Him because without the resurrection, there is no hope, there is no life. There is only despair. And this story with this woman has a little different ending because she keeps searching. It's late in the morning hours. The dust has settled. Many people have gone home. But see, church is on. In the midst of her searching, all of a sudden, there's a sound that sounds familiar and she moves to that spot and She wonders if it was the son of her small infant boy. She listens and doesn't hear a sound, but she begins to move the rubble. And finally, there is a large stone that she rolls. And in an ear pocket is her little infant son. She yells, he's alive. Reaches in and picks him up. Gives him a hug, holds him out, examines him to see if there's anything broken or bleeding. Or then she yells again, "He's alive!" There is at a moment there is relief, and then there's an overwhelming joy that floods one. That's the way it is when we come to Jesus. There is a relief of the sin that is forgiven, but then there is a joy. Joy that's like no other. Sustains us in the dark hours. Sustains us when we get the elbow, when we start to wonder in our mind and raise the question, what if? It's a hope that's sure, and it's founded. And the fact that the rock has rolled, it has moved, it's not in its place. 
And if you want to journey, today to Israel you can look in the tomb because the stone is rolled. And you can say those words, He is not here. He is risen. What Easter does is that it changes the mood from hopelessness to one of hope because of the resurrection. It's what separates Christianity from all the other religions in the world. It empowers Christianity, but it also empowers us in our daily walk as we look at the rock. When you check the rock out, you realize that it's moved. It's not in its place. Resurrection morning, the earth shook. The angel pushed the rock, and it rolled away, and the tomb of death was open. The sting of death was taken. And so when you go to the tomb of Jesus, there is no body. Because there is no death, He is alive. Death is defeated forever. And He keeps His promise to rise again. That's why the angel rolled the stone so that all could see He's not here. He's risen. Now Paul puts it a little different way in 1 Thessalonians 15. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is useless. And if Christ has not been risen, then your faith is futile. But it's the last part of the verse that catches my attention. You are still in your sins. Jesus died on the cross. But this passage says that Jesus died and was buried and didn't rise from the tomb. You are still in your sins. We need to check the rock. The rock's moved. Check the rock. Forgiveness is possible. We don't have to live with our sins. We don't have to live defeated because we're checking the rock all the time. Christ died and rose from the grave. It's true. It's real. It's genuine. Praise the Lord. It's not a scam. The Pharisees thought it out. All those disciples, they're going to go and rob the body of Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. We're going to seal it. We're going to put some guards there. Didn't hold him. When Mary went and saw the tomb, and that's what the passage says, she went to see the tomb, or if your translation says the sepulcher. She went to see a dead Christ. But when she got there, it was changed. And the angel said, I know that you've come to see the risen Christ. Well, that's not exactly what I wanted to see, but that's exactly what I want to see. And she went and told the disciples. You know what happened to the disciples when she first told them? The Scripture says they believed not. Must be something in your imagination, Mary. Maybe somebody got smart and said, well, you know, Mary, you had some demons at one point. I don't know. (laughs) Pretty soon the disciples ran to the tomb. 
They went to Galilee and they saw Jesus. They heard him. They ate with him. They had fellowship with him. And they knew that he was the Jesus that they had walked with for three years. It was the same Jesus who came forth from the grave. And he's alive. And they met with him and talked with him. And they watched him ascend into heaven. And then they went out and gave their life preaching the gospel to turn the world upside down. When the rock rolled, death was defeated. When the rock rolled, our salvation was complete. When the rock rolled, hope of eternal life sprung in all who believe in Jesus Christ. When the rock rolled, God reminded us that He keeps His promises. And when the rock rolled, Jesus is alive. Now, I know there are times that uh, Satan will give you an elbow. It may be a loss of job. It may be an illness. It may be a real disappointment in someone else's life that's connected to yours. There may be in your life not the sharp pains of the elbows, but it may just be the what-ifs of life. What if I'm going to lose my job next week? What if my partner decides to leave me? What if someone in our fellowship sins? There's a whole bunch of what-ifs. And I don't care if Satan throws an elbow at you that almost knocks you off your feet. I want you to turn this year and simply say to Satan, check the rock. (laughs) We're winning. And if your mind wanders and you start to raise the questions about the what-ifs of life, Turn to the evil one and say, check the rock. Check the scoreboard. (laughs) We're winning because Christ is winning. Christ is one. We too will win. Check the rock. The rock has been rolled away. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you have been so faithful to us from one generation to another. You've given your holy word, and we have seen it fulfilled. And in these very days, we look at what's happening, and we wonder about the time that Jesus might come. We keep checking the rock because we know that Jesus Christ is victorious, and in him, in him alone, we have life. Help us as we walk with you when we are accused falsely when we're thrown off of our feet, when something happens unexpected, when the pains come because of the evil darts, the elbows, or the what-ifs, that we might in victorious fashion simply say to the evil one, check the rock. Thank you for all that you have done, all that you're doing, all that you're providing. Oh, how gracious you are to us, how faithful you have been to us, and by faith we believe that you will continue to be faithful to us in Christ 
our Lord and Amen.